Welcome to Tea Time Theology. My name is Taylor Wilkie, and I'll be your host for this episode. We are joined today by the retired Reverend Jeff Krantz, former rector of Church of the Advent in Westbury, New York, in the Diocese of Long Island. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. It's good to be with you. First question is, I didn't ask before we were recording, did I pronounce your last name right? Yeah. Okay. And Krantz wouldn't you uh, prefer Reverend Jeff? Jeff? Let's go with Jeff. Just Jeff. Okay. We like to ask because you never know. Jeff, as as I uh, told you in our correspondence, um, but just in case one of our listeners is, is new, our topic for this season is lovingly called Bumper Sticker Bible. Uh, this season, we will be talking to clergy about religious sayings or quotes that are commonly placed on the bumpers of cars. And we would like to talk to clergy about their meaning, how they relate to scripture, uh, and generally how they make us feel when we see them while stuck in traffic. <laughs> okay. Um, because like, I, I, I think I've said it before, but I've seen in doing some research for this ep- for this podcast, I've seen some doozies. And especially when you start, um, when you start really looking for them, you will notice them everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are some pretty uh, pretty nasty ones out there. Yep. But we're not here to talk about the nasty ones today. Um, we are here to talk about uh, your cho- your chosen bumper sticker is Read the Holy Bible, uh, and that's a acronym, B-I-B-L-E, and in parentheses, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Grown. Yeah. That is one of the more positive okay. bumper stickers I've seen. Um, but obviously you don't feel the same way about it. No. Okay, well, why don't you tell us why you don't feel as though it's such a positive message? Okay. Basic instructions. When I When I thought about that phrase... It made me think about when my wife and I moved out here to Colorado from North Carolina and we were moving from a house to an apartment and I had to get rid of a lot of furniture and refurnish this apartment. One of the things I did was this desk that I'm sitting at was a piece of furniture that um, I found at a furniture store that I wanted for our office and hobby room and turns out I had to put it together. And the instruction book for this just this desk was 20 pages long 20 pages of pictures and diagrams and words that didn't always make sense and and that's just to put a desk together not to get life right before you manage to leave earth so 
when I think about the Bible being put in the same category as a bunch of instructions, like that godforsaken booklet I got with this desk, it makes me cringe. Um, I, I don't like reducing the Bible to instructions. It's so much more than that to me. That's an interesting way to look at it because I guess until this very moment, I've always thought of the Bible as, um, I mean, obviously there's the Ten Commandments, but basically a do's and don'ts kind of mm -hmm. way to w w way to li live your life. And not like hard and fast rules. I'm talking like these are just parables and stories and like use these story use these stories as your moral compass moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, and if you generally follow what everyone in the Bible kind of does or what the sorry, what the good people and the good characters in the Bible do, <laughs> um, you'll 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 make it out of the end pretty okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's, well, I can't say that that wasn't what some of the writers of the books of the Bible had in mind. But I don't think that's what God had in mind when he inspired them to write these books. And I do believe they're inspired, even the unpleasant parts. Doesn't mean they're without error. I, I don't take them literally the way some folks do, but I do think they're all inspired. And I don't think that's what God had in mind. I, for me, the book is about relationship. It's about God constantly trying to woo us back into relationship with him. There are all kinds of fits and starts. And, and, and yes, sometimes God tells us in the book, look, this is what it looks like to be in healthy relationship with me. But I don't think he's telling us do this in order to be in healthy relationship with me. He's saying, if you're not finding your life working out this way, then you and I need to work on our relationship because once you know who I am and who I, who you are to me, who, how precious you are to me, once you get that, this is what your behavior is going to look like. Because you're going to you're going to act from a place of generosity. You're going to act from a place of security, and you're not going to want to take from other people. You're not going to want to to harm other people because you know who you are. Uh, and 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 so, the Bible is almost well. It's not always, but a lot of it's like like a a, a series of love letters from God to us, um, trying to explain to us who we were really created to be and how wonderful that is and how wonderful it still can be if we will step into that so 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 it's it's not really instructions it's maybe it would be kind of like you know the cover on a puzzle box um it's that's not instructions on how to put the the puzzle together but it, it is a picture of what the puzzle will look like when it's put together right. And for me, that's that's kind of what that's kind of what the the instructions of the Bible, that's as close to instructions as it gets for me. Like even the Ten Commandments. Okay, let's start with those ten instructions, right? Most of us think that the Ten Commandments start with, thou shalt have no other God before me, right? 
But actually, the Ten Commandments start with, I am the God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Therefore, I save first. Everything else is your response to what I do. Um, I want you to understand, this is how precious you are to me. I saved you. I brought you out of Egypt. Um, we as Christians, we look at the cross and say, God says, this is what I've done. Now, this is what living in the light of that truth looks like. Am I making any sense? I don't know. You're frowning. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm pondering. Uh, and, uh, and it's not, uh, and it's not in confusion. It's in, uh, it's in a, I've never really thought about the Bible in this, in this way before in my spiritual life, full, full disclosure, all the listeners know this about me. I wasn't, I'm not a born and bred, uh, Episcopalian. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was, I was born and raised in the Roman Catholic church. They don't have such a good look right now. Let's just say that. Okay. A and um, uh, so I've, I've always kind of took it away, took away that, like, like you said, th these aren't hard and fast rules. They're mm -hmm. just guidelines, mm -hmm. I think, is kind of what you're getting at. Well, again, I. I and if I'm I, wrong, I, please feel free to. Well, I don't think you're wrong. I think it's just I have a slightly different take on it. Okay. But I think it's significant slight if there is such a thing. You know, when you're tuning a guitar, now, I don't know, do you play any instruments? I do not. Okay. Well, you know, when you're tuning a guitar, you can play two notes. You, you put your finger on one fret, and then these two strings should sound the same. And you listen for something that's called a beat in there. If it's out of tune, the two strings, like if one's vibrating at 440 and the other's vibrating at 445, you're going to hear five beats per second coming out of those two strings, kind of like a vibrato. It's going to when the two strings play together. So it's an indication that things are off. For me, commandments in the Bible, that is instructions in the Bible, are kind of like those beats. They're, they're a sign that something's off. For us as Christians, especially, the key is relationship. And how is your relationship with God doing? And all the stuff that Paul says, he's not telling you what to do. He's telling you what it ought to look like if you're getting the foundation right. And, but if the foundation isn't right, all the all the instructions in the world aren't going to build a solid house so if the house is leaning it's not about getting this it's not about going back and hammering it together better you got to go back and look at the foundation and, and and get the foundation right which is that relationship that god wants to have with us jesus came to me to inaugurate his father's kingdom that is to say everything that we need to live in the kingdom of God is already here. And a lot of his teaching was about the kingdom. You know, he, he went out and he preached the kingdom. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom mm -hmm. of God is here. And then he showed people 
what living in the kingdom looks like. And yes, th there are things for us to try to do, but real, but that doesn't bring us into the kingdom. That helps us recognize whether or not we've really accepted that we're already there. Because if, if, if I believe that if somebody really lives into the truth of what God has done for them in Jesus Christ, all that other stuff just follows. It's so easy to love your neighbor. It's so easy to forgive when you feel forgiven. It's so easy to love when you feel loved. It's so easy to be generous when you realize how enormously generous God has been with you. So the, the, the Bible to me is the story of God continually pouring himself out to try to win us back into that relationship so that we can live happily. Because if everybody understood all those things and responded to all those things, we would look like all those instructions and we would live happily and we would be good to each other. Am I making any sense now? I think so. I think okay. I'm get, I think I'm getting it. Okay. Uh, I, see, I come at the thing so backwards. I know, but it, it No, it's okay. It, I think that's the scandal of the cross. So that's the scandal of the gospel. Well, and that's the thing. And, and and that's kind of the reason why why we're all here is we're trying to not just better understand I mean, obviously today we're trying to better understand the Bible. Um mm -hmm. that's the general vibe of this conversation. But uh, we're also here to not just hear, you know, what our priest or deacon or whoever says on Sunday from the pulpit. We're here to hear what others think from outside of our diocese and even outside of our church communities in general. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's that's an important thing. And I'm happy that you're here to share your point of view with us. Now, uh, another question I had in our correspondence, you have meant, you mentioned that you have taught mm -hmm. uh, a lot on how to actually read the Bible as a person who has tried and failed and has still never successfully made it past numbers. Um, <laughs> um, how does one actually go about reading it? Because like, you know, there's the whole like, like the idea of like the whole idea of the bumper sticker is that like you're driving down the road and someone slaps like a 316 on the back of their bumper sticker on the back of their car. And we're all supposed right. to know what that means and go about our day living through John 316. Um, right. I don't know what John 316 is. Well, you do too. And I don't know. Um, and, and as we've talked about, uh, or as we're going to talk about, in a in and I think the last episode of the season, it has nothing to do with sports. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely um, not. So how does so? I guess the question is, how does one go about actually sitting down to read the Bible? Okay, let me begin by saying that I I think that the Bible first of all has some guidance for us in terms of how to read it. Reading it faithfully means reading it the way I think the Bible suggests that we read it. Um, and there are some significant passages that 
that have always been important to me in terms of how I read it. First one is take it all seriously. The Bible says about itself in 1 Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Even all those begats that you got stuck on in numbers, you know, it's all, it's all there for a reason. So take it all seriously, but it doesn't mean that it all is intended for us to understand it at the superficial level. Paul says this about reading the scriptures in second Corinthians. He says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who had put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened for to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. And now what, what Paul's trying to say here is that when you read the scripture, scriptures and of course for paul when he says scriptures he means what we call the old testament the hebrew scriptures because that was all he had at that point when when you read the scriptures you read them with jesus as your lens you need to understand that anything that conforms to what you see in jesus is about god but if it isn't about Jesus, it's not about God. And then Jesus tells us the same thing in John 14. There's this, there's this thing at, at the Last Supper when Jesus is talking to his disciples in John 14. And Philip uh, looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, if you just show us the Father, we'd be satisfied. And I can just hear Jesus sighing at this point. Because he looks at Philip and he says, Philip, have I been with you all this time and still you do not know me? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So what Jesus says there is that there's nothing else to God but what you see in me. There is nothing more to God than what you see in me. If you haven't seen it in me, you don't need to look any farther. It's not of God. Okay, so that makes Jesus my lens that I use to read both Old and New Testaments, because there's stuff in the New Testament that doesn't conform to what I find in Jesus either. But that leaves me with a whole lot of other stuff in the Bible. That doesn't fit. And yet I said earlier, I want to take the whole thing seriously. That's one of the problems that we have in terms of being in conversation with our more conservative evangelical brothers and sisters in the church is that they see it, you know, when we come up against something that makes us uncomfortable in the Bible, we have a tendency to say, oh, well, that's just because it's old and we toss it aside and we don't give it any credence. We don't treat it as inspired. 
I think we can treat it seriously and still treat it as inspired. And this is the way that I do it. And it's the way that I teach others to do it. I'm not saying I'm right, but this is how I do it. We have those things that we find in the Hebrew scriptures and in the New Testament that conform to what I see in the Jesus that is revealed in the Bible. And then there's a lot of other stuff. And if God really wanted it there, why did he want it there? Why did he want it there? And my answer is that revelation works on two levels in the Bible. There is where God reveals himself to me through Jesus, through inspiration of the prophets in the Old Testament, through a lot of the stuff in the Old Testament that still looks like Jesus, right? God reveals himself. When, when, when we have that other stuff that pops up in the Bible, what is God doing? He's revealing me to myself. He's showing me how I distort God when I don't view him through the lens of Jesus, I can make him into a pretty vicious, awful being sometimes. And you know some of those passages. We don't need to go and cite them. But God can come off pretty darn awful when I start remaking him in my image. And he wants me to see what I do to his image when I don't understand who he is as revealed in Jesus. So that everything there is edifying to me because it's either telling me about who God is or it's telling me about who I can be when I'm not viewing God through the lens of Jesus. So, so that's, that's my approach to the scriptures. Now, reading the whole Bible, I, I don't recommend trying to read it front to back. When I recommend somebody begin... I'm trying to teach somebody how to begin reading the Bible. I start them off with John. Um, a lot of people wouldn't do that, but I do because John is probably the, the most relationship focused of the gospels to me. Um, we have the disciple whom Jesus loved. Shorthand for that is the beloved disciple who's a main character, never named, but He's a main character in, in that. And, and there, there's a lot more love evident between Jesus and the disciples, God and humankind. And I start, so I start people there. Read John first. Let, let Jesus speak to you through John and then begin to branch out. I also recommend starting with the New Testament because we want to develop that lens for reading the other books. Kind of like, have you ever read the Chronicles of Narnia? I have not. Uh, I'm a bad nerd. I'm sorry. No, they're, they're, <laughs> they're wonderful. I, I grew up reading those. My grandmother gave them to me when I was a boy. I got one for my birthday and one for Christmas every year until I had the whole series. And I read them over and over again as a boy. And, you know, people argue about what the proper order of reading those books is. Um I always recommend you start with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the first one that C.S. Lewis wrote, mm. because that's the one that has the gospel message mm. most clearly announced in it. And, 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 and you get the best image of who Aslan is, who is the Jesus character, of course, in all these, these books. In the same way that I recommend, 
even though chronologically in the order of the books, it's the second of the books, I think it's best to read it first before you get to some of the others. Um, and, and I recommend starting with the New Testament. Then I also recommend reading in small chunks. Don't be so consumed with finishing the whole thing that you read more than you can digest in a sitting. However much that is for you. If you read two paragraphs and it, and it catches you up and you, and you're, um, your imagination begins to, to bubble up and, 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 and you're, you feel connected to the text, that's enough. Just stop there and, and stay with that text. Um, there's a way of reading the scriptures that's called Lectio Divina. Have you ever heard of that? No, I have not. Oh. Please okay. explain what that is, because I'm sure a lot of our oh. other listeners haven't, haven't either. Well... It's a it's a way of reading the a small small section of text, and allowing God to speak to you from that text. Um, I, I'm. It's been a long time since I have have read or taught this particular method, but basically you read it, and you allow God, uh, uh, God to to highlight a word, and and you meditate on why why that word was brought up to you and. And, and so that you're not trying to draw deep meaning out of the text when you're reading, <laughs> you're, you're, you're listening for God to speak to you through the text. And so you, you wait for God to highlight a word or a phrase and, and then try to t tie that into what's going on in your life that he's trying to, uh, that he's trying to speak to. Um, it's because it's worked very well. Some churches use a very similar method that's called, oh, something like the African approach to scripture or African way of reading scripture, that they do something very similar. Um, and it, it's, it's worth looking up. I love the study of scripture. I love to, to, to dig deep into it and, and to look into the translations and, and compare translations and, and look at the Greek. I, I wish I could read Hebrew too, but... But I, I love to tear it apart because I feel close to God when I'm really, really digging in his word. Um, it, it, it's hard to explain, but being that intimately um, engaged with mm. his word uh, is just, it, it makes me feel close to him. So I, I like doing that. But I have a lot of experience with that, and I don't recommend it as a way of starting. Um, the wonderful thing is that because, I, and at least this is how I believe, because I believe the text is inspired, that God will actually be present to you when you take the time to simply read it and listen for him to speak from the text. Um, and and when and when he does, it's it's a good idea to make notes, kind of journal what you're getting as you get that stuff. Um, it it, it help, helps you again feel connected to it and to draw more from it. I, I believe that the more seriously you, you take that, that you, when you begin making notes, 
you'll begin to hear better. So, so, and then, so you start, start with the lens, which is Jesus, right? And you're, so when we're reading the gospels, we're trying to find that lens. Then as you read other parts of the Bible, you're taking that lens and, and letting the author of that text, who is the one who inspires the, the, the human author, be present to you in those words. And sometimes he'll be present set to you saying, this is what I'm like. And this is what you can be like when you and I are in full relationship. And sometimes he'll be saying, and this is what you're like when you're not in full relationship to me. And, and, and this is what you make me into when you're not in full relationship to me. And this is the mess you make <laughs> when you're not in full relationship to me. But it doesn't sound like that instruction book that I had when I had to put this desk together. What I gathered is that if, if you were going to read the Bible, the, the best way to do that is, just to summarize, we're going to do a broad summarization right now, is to hey. uh, take, it all, take it all seriously is mm -hmm. the first thing that you said. And then uh, start reading with John because it, it is the most relationship-focused book of a book of the bible well certainly of the new testament for me it is yeah read it using jesus as your lens in a way that see the world as he presents it not as you interpret it and, and see yourself as he sees you and then don't read the whole don't try to read the whole thing all at once cover to cover mm -hmm. that's not a, that's not a recipe for success um and while you're reading keep your keep a journal of what you're reading and how what you're reading is making you feel and why. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, that that works for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm definitely I'm definitely excited to pop Ooh. open a Bible and like give this whole thing another chance. Um, okay, that's good. Um, because as Christians, I think it's important that we we all have a working knowledge of the Bible, and for someone in his mid thirties to a, and a lifelong Christian to not have any, uh, working knowledge of the Bible. I think that's, that's not, that's not a good look on me, especially since I'm hosting <laughs> a podcast sponsored by the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think these are all good points. Now, the next question I have for you is, hmm. I mean, obviously the topic is basic instructions before leaving earth. Right. Um, right. and now, now, and, and, and you've kind of said the Bible isn't great as to be used that way. Um, but I would, I would venture to ask you, mm -hmm. uh, father Kranz, what would you say would be your personal instructions, uh, personal basic instructions before leaving earth? What would you tell someone if they asked you? what should I do or how should I live my life before leaving this plane of existence? Okay. Um, you did warn me this was coming and I'm still <laughs> struggling with it. Um, I did give you an extra week to prepare. I'm just saying. You did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I guess I thought I was going to be able to avoid this one somehow. Hey, um, and remember, there are no wrong answers here. We're, uh, I like to say we're lovers, I, not experts. Right, um, right. And, I, and I look at the cross and know what that says about who you are to God. 
how utterly irreplaceable you are to God. And let that love for you shape the rest of your decisions. It all comes back to the cross for me. Mm. It all comes back to the cross. That, that God would undergo that in order to be in relationship with me. That's that's the key for me. That's the one. If, if if there was one thing to take away from the Bible, it would be that. When Jesus talked about being glorified by His Father in John, He meant being lifted up on the cross. That is God's. That is what makes our God worthy of worship. That's what makes our God worthy to be praised and it's what makes me want to be a better man hmm. everything else i can i can go back to the bible and i can and, and and learn from god okay when when you get that part jeff what do you what's it going to look like and i can go back to the bible and begin to figure out what i want those things to look like and, but i have to get that piece first that God's glory is his mercy on the cross. That, that's the center of the gospel for me. Wonderful. That was really beautiful and moving. I always feel like my next question is going to lessen that. But yeah. <laughs> um, um, but now let's say you're um, obviously in a, another point, part of this is what do you think it says about a person who puts this type of bumper, this this bumper sticker on the back of their car and their understanding of uh, being a Christian or of the Bible? I'm not sure how much it says about that person as it says about their teachers. What it tells me is that they haven't had a teacher who has opened the book to them and set their hearts on fire the way jesus opened the scriptures to you know he met um cleopas and his friend on the road to emmaus after his resurrection right and and they're all downcast because they don't understand that the cross was god's glory not his defeat right and and then he opens the scriptures to them and shows them that everything that happened was was scriptural that that it had to happen that way and that this was god's victory not his defeat and then they get to and then they get to where they're going to stop for the night and they invite jesus to come and have dinner with them and he sits down at table with them and he breaks the bread and they recognize him as he breaks the bread and then he vanishes from their sight and they look at one another and said did our hearts not burn within us as he opened to us the scriptures on the road and when I see that on the back of somebody's car, I think, Father, I, I, I am so sorry that nobody ever opened the scriptures to them the way that they should have been. They, they don't know your glory. They don't know your beauty. They don't know the, the gorgeous text that they have in front of them. And, and so I feel bad for them. 
And if there's anybody that I get upset with, it's their teachers, not mm. them. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna teach us to dig for treasure if nobody tells us there's treasure to be had? Does that make any sense? I mean, when oh, yeah. when, when somebody's willing to 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 take an, a a book like the Bible and make it into a bunch of IKEA instructions. It's because nobody's taught them that there's treasure in there. And that treasure is this incredible relationship that you can have with God. Hmm. And, and, but they haven't been taught. Nobody taught them to look for it. So why would they? Hmm. Why would they? I feel bad. Hmm. See, and I was worried that that question was going to be a dumb one and it was going to not be as great, but that was a great answer. Um, I, you know, it, it, I hate to say it, but big chunks of the church have treated the Bible like an instruction manual for centuries. And I don't blame people for getting sucked into that. It's what they grew up with. Well, Jeff, that's that's our time together. Ah, okay. What a great note to end it on. Now, usually... We ask our clergy, um, if someone wanted to hear you preach on a Sunday, where yeah. should they go? But we can't ask you that because you're retired. Right. Uh, I, I, I preach about twice a year. Yeah. Um, if uh, So if someone wanted to reach out to you and ask mm -hmm. more questions or get some more information, how would they do that? Well, um, I, I do have a website that I created in retirement. I still write Bible studies every week on the lectionary. And... If you, if you want to see more about how I approach the Bible or talk with me about it or be in touch with me, the way to do that, the, you're certainly welcome to email me. My, my email is jhkrantz at gmail.com. But I have the website, and it's called The Vicar's Keep, and it's got stuff that I've written over the course of 25 years in ministry. And um, if you go to The Vicar's Keep, you can see my my weekly Bible studies, which are called Divergence on the Lectionary. And um, there's a lot of other interesting, I hope it's interesting, I don't know, uh, stuff on there. And you can poke around to your heart's delight. And if you want to reach me, you can reach me through the website as well as through my email. All right. And one more time, what was that website? Uh, the Vicar's Keep. Um, it's just vickerskeep.com, V-I-C-A-R-S-K-E-E-P.com. Right. And, uh, and all that should, all that information should be in the show notes if, uh, I or Ivy have done our jobs. Um, but, ah, Jeff, right. <laughs> um, but Jeff, it was such a pleasure to have you. Well, it was um, a pleasure to be here. And I, 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 as you can tell, I love talking about the Bible. So, well, we're so glad to, I'm so glad that you love to talk, to talk about the Bible. This is, uh, this has definitely been one of the, uh. Uh, easier episodes that I've that we've recorded because uh, it's always oh. easy when the it's always a lot easier when the guest has a lot to say um, <laughs> and I can just kind of sit in the back. Now you make me feel like a blabbermouth. No, okay. you're not. Okay, Jeff. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. God bless. Joyous saints who love to do Jesus' will. You can
can meet them in school or in lanes or at sea, in church or in trains or in shops or at tea, for the saints of God are just folk like me, and I mean to be one too. Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology, a ministry of St. John's Cathedral in Rhode Island. We would like to thank our producers, Ivy Swinsky and Taylor Wilkie. Special thanks to Moa Conde and David Hines for our music. Our sponsors, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley, as well as our guests today. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias.